0: following message has been brought to you by Trinity Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on the web at trinitybc.org.
1: effort that goes forth that we are a part of as Florida Baptist. Uh, thankful for the Florida Baptist Convention great convention. Uh, but I'm also thankful being gone Monday or Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then coming back this morning, I got to sit under some great preaching and tonight I get to sit under some uh, great preaching as well. Um, many of you know a couple of uh, it was a couple months ago probably right that Jeff and his wife Alyssa and their kids uh, came forward and joined our church, which you may not know, his wife and, and him went to Bible College up in Trinity Baptist, uh, Bible College up in Jacksonville where Candace and I went uh, at the very same time and so we had a few classes together there, uh, knew each other uh, there to some degree and they went and for the past 8 to 10 years had served as missionaries and they, God, for this season of their life had actually brought them to the little, little town of Keystone Heights and lo and behold we uh, got reintroduced to one another and God has plugged them and um, being able to sit under preaching and not have to be thinking about a sermon was a blessing and uh, Jeff uh, being able to come and bring the Word of God before us this evening uh, was a blessing as well uh, to me so I want to ask if you would uh, welcome him as he comes and, and looking forward to hearing...
0: says that we had limited classes. We had more with his wife and we knew her as Jacqueline because in our French class we all had made-up French names. So when I first got here, uh, we visited randomly. I said, hey, that's Jacqueline. It's not Jacqueline. So, um, anyway. Um, good evening. My name is Jeff Clifford, as Pastor mentioned. I have not had the pleasure of meeting most of you yet. We've been here roughly four months, thereabouts, maybe three. And, um, You know, it just takes a while to meet everybody, but um, I am privileged to have the opportunity to preach. Um, I am no longer in full-time ministry, so my opportunities are not as plentiful as they once were. So if this is my only chance, we'll see after this, um, I wanted to make sure that it was a message that um, was timeless. I'm prone to choosing passages based on the time of year, the season, especially with holidays coming up. you know, I looked at some Thanksgiving-based passages, and uh, you know, because I believe gratitude is something we severely lack and appreciation. But uh, really, I I did not land on that for tonight. Um, I'm going to go to Revelation real quick, but would you please turn in your Bibles to Second Kings? I will not stay in Revelation. I wanted to look at just five verses and then uh, use that as an introduction there, and we'll be in Second Kings chapter 22 primarily. um, But I will read from Revelation chapter 2, dealing with the church of Ephesus, for just a moment here. Uh, Verse 1 says this, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and have found them to be liars. And he has borne and patience. Uh, For my name's sake, you have labored, and you have not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come to thee quickly, and will remove your candlestick out of his place, except you repent. Um, You know, God does know our hearts, He knows our motivation. But he also sees our works. He sees the things we do with our hands, the things we spend our time on. Um, In this passage that I just read, he shows four things. He says, your works, that's the actions you've done in the past. Praise God for a godly heritage and for a record of doing things that please God. For the shoeboxes that you have collected for a decade plus... And for the work we've done this year, praise God for the ministries of this church, for the outreaches, for the things that we've done yesterday and years gone by. Praise God for that. He says your labor, that's the things we're doing right now. You know, it takes so many people to make a church work fluidly, to make um, an outreach that impacts your community. All of the children's programs don't just happen by accident. Somebody has to put their hand to the task. Praise God for that. Your patience, that is how you do these things. It's one thing to do in ministry. It's another thing to love a ministry. You know, how many times have you done something out of obligation because it's expected or you've always done it? And maybe you wake up and you just don't want to do it today. According to this, God was looking at them and saying, Hey, I know that you have a patience for the ministry, for the work, and he applauds that. He also says, your stand on holiness, he applauds. He looks at their how they hated evil, how they wanted to live righteous lives. And he said, this is all good. But I have one thing against you. You've left your first love. You say, how can that be? They're doing all the right things. They've got the right attitude. They're, they're trying to do what's right. But how can it be that they've lost that fire? Friends, as we approach this Thanksgiving season and Christmas season, I know it's a little early for Mariah Carey just yet, but we're almost there as we approach the season of of Christmas and Thanksgiving. I think we need to go into it with a renewed fire, a a rekindled love for the work of God, not just because it's what we always do, but because it's where our heart and our passion truly lie. Let's look at this passage that um, will be in 2 Kings. I'm going to flip there now. Um, You know, sometimes we get distracted and discontent and disillusioned with what we're doing. Uh, Maybe it's like Peter where we look to this side or that side and get a little distracted. The waves that are over there and we we start to go down. Or maybe it's like David where we are not where we're supposed to be and we're looking at someone we shouldn't be looking towards. Maybe it's something like Thomas and we just start to doubt, uh, is Jesus really coming back? Is he really going to do? You know, we just kind of relax. Maybe we get too busy with our own work, like Martha. You know, that's me. Have you ever been so busy that you didn't actually stop to realize why you're doing it? I know if you've got young children and they're in sports and hobbies and you got a wanna and church and and school, and man, it can go by so quick to where you just say, "Well, I don't even have any time to read. I don't have time to pray." know, when our fire dwi- dwindles from a roaring, all-consuming fire to the mere embers of what it once was, how do we relight it? How do we get some energy back? You know, I, I work with, uh, in construction, and everyone there is always drinking energy drinks, like five a day. These guys don't move faster just because they're drinking energy drinks. I don't know what they're doing. But they're drinking them, and they still don't have that pep. What do we do to get back the pep in our walk, our Christian walk, not just our daily walk? How do you wake up? I don't know. We just do what we do. But how do we wake up spiritually? Let's find from the Bible what we do to reignite that fire. What do we do to feed the godly fire in our lives? Second Kings twenty-two or two twenty-two. Pardon me. Second, it's been a while. I told you I don't do this every day. Second uh, Kings twenty two verse one and two, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned thirty and one years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jedidah, the mother or the daughter of Adiah, of Boscath, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in all the way of David his father, and turned not aside to the right hand or the left. Man, he's doing good so far. Started off as king at eight pretty cool. I can't imagine what trouble you'd get in if you were king at eight. I, don't know. I was thinking, you know, um, it'd be pretty hard to get me to clean my room or to do my chores. I'd have people for that. Um, how do you train an eight-year-old to do what's right? But here he gets that authority and according to the Bible, he begins to search for the Lord to try to do what is right in the eyes of God. You see, um, he's doing pretty good. Verses three through seven. And it came to pass in the eighteenth year of King Josiah that the king sent his son Uzziah, the son of Meshulam, the scribe, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may sum up the silver which is brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the door have gathered of the people, and let them deliver it into the hand of the doers of the work that have oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them give it to the doers of the work in the house of the Lord to repair the breaches of the house unto carpenters and builders and masons, to buy timber and hewn stone to repair the house. Howbeit there was no reckoning made with them of the money that was delivered into their hand, because they dealt faithfully. Okay, so, this young king in the tenth year of his reign, pardon me, yes, his, was it, anyways, um, in his ten years into his reign, he goes and, decides to form a committee that's pretty good he's a baptist he forms a committee and they have this this board of of trustees they're going to repair the temple the the walls are beaten down the the building has been in disrepair honestly the false religions have been taking away most of the the funds because they've been building high places they've been f- supporting their works you know the flashy the impressive the modern the trendy took over Um, The day and the church started, or the temple, started to fall by the wayside. And he says, we're going to do a good work. Let's form a committee and figure out how much money we have. Hey, he's doing good. You know, it's always wise to do that. Um, Look at uh, verse 8. And Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. That verse makes me really confused. So it makes me a few thoughts. One is, wait, you didn't know it was there. You didn't know the Word of God was in the house of God. Now there, historians say that at this time it would have been hidden in the walls. That's like they were knocking out a wall and they found a hidden copy of the Word of God because it was there to be protected against um, armies and invaders and everything else. But what have they been teaching? They didn't have the word of God. The priest, the high priest comes out and says, Hey, look what I found. I what's this? And he starts to read it. Says, wow, this is this is new information. Two, what have you been teaching? So you didn't know it was there? Two, what have you been teaching? Obviously, Josiah is the young man of God at this point. He's the king. He's doing right. So he knows something of God, but what does he, how does he know it? Friends, it's like he was grown in a, Chris, or a culture of, of religion that knew that he should be a good man and knew to do the right thing, knew to serve God, knew to... But he wasn't in the Word. Friends, I've lived my life like that at periods where I just knew to do right. I grew up in a Christianish home and I spoke Christianese and I went to the places I was supposed to and didn't go where I shouldn't, that Christianese may have kept me out of some trouble, but is it really godliness or just goodliness? There's a big difference between godly and goodly. I know that's not a real word. It's okay. Uh, so, and then my third thought on that verse is how long had it been gone? The high priest didn't know it was there. It's kind of... Like, did anybody know? It's like in Judges when we talk about Samson who has been betrayed by Delilah time and time again and then when his power from God was gone, he didn't even know it was there. The Bible says he wist not that the Lord had departed from him. If we lost the Word of God tomorrow, would we know where it went? You know, we have awana going on next door where we teach them verses like thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Well, you know what? Someday it may come to a point where all you have of the scripture is what you have put in your heart. Maybe your eyes will fail you. Maybe your mind will leave you, but what you have hid in your heart will remain. Friends, they didn't even know it was gone. Verse, uh, we'll read on verse nine. Nevertheless, priests of the high places came not to the altar of the Lord. Oh, pardon me, I'm skipping ahead. And Shaphan the scribe came to the king and brought the king word again and said, Your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hands of them to do the work that have oversight of the house of the Lord. And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has delivered me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Verse 11, and we'll pause after that. And it came to pass... When the king had heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. This young man, in his early 20s, hears the word of God read aloud for the first time in his life. Friends, we speak of these boxes going to children overseas and and how they'll be exposed to opportunities to interact with Christ on a personal level. Praise God for the the Word of God getting into anyone's hands, but here we have the leader of God's people encountering the Word of God for the first time in his life, and what is the interaction? Does he shout and praise? Does he does he get cheerful and glad? He begins to mourn. He tears his clothes. He he rents his garment, basically throwing off the riches of his station, and he says, "Woe is me!" I'm... Or I'm undone. It's Isaiah's plight, basically. Woe is me, for I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Friends, when you encounter the Word of God on a personal level, it's not always going to be rejoicing. Very often in Scriptures, I find that it's a time of mourning. It's a time of, of self-depreciation because we recognize that before God we are woefully inept and inadequate. See, when we see God through His Word, we see at least two things. The first is our failings, and the second is His righteousness. Look at chapter 23. And the king sent, and they gathered unto all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. And the king went to the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him. And the priests, and the prophets, and all the people, both small and great, and he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant which was found in the house of the Lord. Friends, that's a leader. That's a leader. That's someone who says this is important. Everyone should hear the word of God. There is not a man, woman, child, elderly or infirm that does not need to hear what God has for them today. Friends, that's true for us right now no matter how many times we've read God's word, no matter how often we've read it, we need to reapply that that, that. ointment to our souls, and it needs to be done regularly. When we struggle with the desire or with the fire of God, it's going to come down to this. How often have we reapplied God's Word? Have we put it inside recently? And see, that's what he knew the importance of it. After he had personally been affected, he wanted to share it to those around him. So what do we do? How do we rekindle this fire? And we'll go down in this passage a little bit more, but Um, Pastor actually used this passage uh, on Sunday. Um, Acts 17, verse 10 through 12 shows us that we need to get in the Word. Uh, We have to rediscover it for ourselves. We need to take it off of the shelf. We need to open it up and start reading it, not just to ourselves, but to our families. Our children, our grandchildren need to hear this message that you and I have and we've had forever. It's been sitting on the shelf next door. We need to go and say, hey, look what I found found a book. I found a book and there's something in it that you need to know. Friends, I have four small children. They are ranged 12 down to 6. The 12 year old, I love her. Very much. I believe she's 17. But she's 12. She believes she's 17. But she's 12. You know that little girl needs to know that Jesus loves her more than anything. You know, when they were little, um, we established a habit. Now, we do Bible time. It is generally consistent, but we have times where it's less consistent than it should be. One thing we we have established from a very young age, though, is to nightly, when possible, I will go in their room, and they hear this statement. God loves you. Jesus loves you. Your daddy loves you and your mama loves you. Have a good night. Like, that is it. And if they've heard nothing else over the from the time they were yay big, it's those four statements. It's that you are loved. But, friends, that's all based off the Bible. Because we need them to know that there is a God in heaven that desires for them to have a relationship. We have missed generations. It's like these... these Israelites, when they found the word of God locked up, how long had it been missing? If we read chapter 23, which we will not do all of, the the entire chapter after that reading involves the people of God getting clean. They start casting out their, their Idols they 're false gods, they start cleansing out the groves, they cut down trees, they burn temples, they punish the the wicked, they get rid of the sin, they start cleaning house, and it all is predicated on one person saying, Hey listen here i 've got a word from God that you need to hear, looking at Acts chapter seventeen, verse ten through twelve, This is what pastor read the other night or the other morning. And the brethren immediately went away to Paul and Silas by night to Berea, who was coming there from, uh, he went to the synagogue of the Jews. And they were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Therefore many of them believed, and also honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men not a few. You see, friends, these Bereans were found to be more noble than those of Thessalonica in God's eyes, not in man's eyes. For one reason only, and that's because they daily went into God's Word, searched it out, found the truth, and determined whether or not this guy on TV, which they didn't have, this guy on TV was telling the truth. Or this post they saw on Facebook, whether it actually had anything to do with the Word of God. Or this news article condemning this outlandish belief that that marriage is meant to be the way God intended they compared things to what God said. It's kind of like where the Bible says that they that when we compare ourselves to ourselves, we become unwise, or we make ourselves unwise. We have to search the Scriptures daily. Now, Pastor and I mentioned, or he mentioned that we went to Bible college together. He went on to theological seminary. I did not. I went to um, deputation and raised support for years to go to the mission field overseas. Um, And it was a very difficult process. But during that process, uh, I had to, we traveled a lot. We did about 1,000 miles per week with children in the car for years. It was a full-time job just of driving. We'd get to the hotel. My oldest, which was kind of born on the road, sort of, kind of, She used to scream, to where she would burst the little blood vessels in her eyeballs from being in the car. It was terrible, and it would take three weeks. Do you remember that, brother Monty? Do you remember Adele with her bloodshot eyes? We went to church together years ago. So when Adele was young, she would just scream, and we were in a Ford Focus hatchback. Now I don't know if you know, but it's shaped like a dome. It's like the Sydney Opera House when she would be in the back row facing backwards, screaming her little lungs out, it would reverberate and fill that area with such a cacophony. Of, it was masterful. She was, she was Mozart of the screams. She was... We would get to this hotel. All right, time to read Bible. What do you think? No. Need to relax. Well, one day might go by. And then I have five days in a row of preaching conferences. We've got missions conference on Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. On Wednesday, we also have school to do with the the church that we're with. And then on the Saturday, we would have a men's breakfast, and that'd be great. And the ladies' brunch that would do that. And then after that, we would do an activity. And then on Sunday, you'd have Sunday school. I'd teach that. Then we'd have children's church. Uh, We would work in that. And then I would go up, and I would have a presentation to make. And then we'd get out of there, we'd have an hour and a half to eat lunch with a host couple, and then after that, we'd get 30 minutes to get ready for church and do it again. Friends, the worst time in my life for walking daily in the Word was during that time. What are you saying over there? Yeah. So, (laughs) that light is really blinding. I just knew. Um, I'm not complaining. I loved the work. We enjoyed it thoroughly. I will say it was difficult. I mentioned that. But I'll tell you that I've never been in such a desert for reading God's Word as when I was too busy doing what I thought was God's work. Now, that being said, I do know that that was what I had to do. We feel like we were doing the right thing. But we were so busy and so tired. Friends, that's how that fire dies. That's how that fire dies. It's you get too busy to do what God said you need to do. It is more noble for you to spend your time every day in the Word of God than anything else you can be doing. It doesn't matter if what you're doing is important if you're not walking with God. Friends, I want us to be so I, I'm Thanksgiving to me is the most important secular holiday, and I say secular loosely. It's a non scriptural holiday, but I believe that there is not a greater national holiday that we honor than Thanksgiving. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, Resurrection Sunday. I'm not talking about theological or Bible-based holidays. But as far as national holidays, Thanksgiving for me is up there because I recognize that we owe everything we have to God's goodness. There is not, there, it's not me, it's not even being thankful for each other, which the world wants to make it that way listen to some advertisements and they want you to send flowers because now I think we need to be thankful for our mothers and our wives and our family members, but it's all about being thankful to God. But how can you get there if you don't recognize how much He's done for you? If I don't recognize the sorry state that I'm in without Him, how can I truly go to Him with humble thanksgiving and not simply think I've earned it? Or I deserved it. Or someone bought it for me. That is, somebody brought our freedom and we, you know, I, we applaud our veterans. We love Veterans Day. We just had that. We love Memorial Day. Someone did do that, but God, owe, we owe him the glory. Anyways, I get a little sidetracked. And I'm out of practice, so just bear with me. Um, when we look at at this verse, or at this section in, in uh, Acts where we deal with the Bereans. They were excellent, not because of their good works, because of the money they donated, because of the the work they were doing, but because they studied God's Word. Friends, I believe these things go hand in hand. I have never seen anyone who is in the Word that doesn't want to tell someone about the Word. I've never met anyone who sees the importance of the Great Commission and doesn't say, you know what, maybe I should tell my co-worker about Jesus. These fires Once it starts to burn, it will spread. But when the embers are cold, when it starts to dwindle, it's going to take some work. It's the the old saying the preacher would say, if this doesn't light your fire, then your wood's wet. You know, we've we've done that. We've let it grow cold sometimes. And I'm not accusing anyone. I've not been here long enough to know anyone by name and to be pointing it out and saying, Bobby, this is all on you. Um, But I do, I can pick on him, right? Okay, sorry. Um, All right. (coughs) He's in my class. Um, But anyway, and he's Jacqueline's brother. Um, Anyways. Um, So we can look at, I don't know anyone in here. I'm not saying that we have failed as a church. I'm not saying that we failed as people, but I do know this. If we're not careful, God will have that same message for us that I read out of Revelation, which is, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. I've seen your actions. I've seen what you are doing. I've seen your attitude. But there's this one thing, and it's this. You've left your first passion. Man, that passion of a newborn Christian is something special, isn't it? Have you ever, I hope you've experienced it, but to see it. My youngest child is six years old. The other night she did what six-year-olds do, and that is delay bedtime as much as possible. But she does it in the sweetest way possible. She comes out, she's boo hoo and she's just Daddy, I'll never see Mayonna again and she, it's a friend of hers and we're like, Well, I, I think you will and it'll be all right, do you need to pray? And we sent her off two seconds late. Like two seconds she didn't even go to her bed. Daddy, how can I know that she's going to heaven? You know, and just crying. I said, What do you mean, sweetheart? Well, nobody can know if they're going to heaven. Well, what, help me. Under, help me understand what you mean. And then she basically, I think it was stall tactics. It was expert level because I'm not going to turn that down. So we we talk and I take her little hands and I'm sitting there and she's looking me eye to eye. And we go through First John. These things have I written unto you that you may know that you have life. And I go through some different scriptures and we start talking. And because she's first Christ she's been baptized and she's fairly young but at the same time we we don't push on that with the little ones we let them um, come to know Christ in the time that God has laid out it's got to be a holy spirit calling it can't be daddy and so we're, we're you know I'm sitting there talking with her and she walks me through the plan of salvation pretty clearly now she had some help I kept her on task because she wanted to keep getting rabbit trailed and I I was like how By the end, there were no tears. She was beaming, positively radiant with with that peace and that calm. All she needed was, I think she just didn't want to go to bed, but she needed a little bit of reassurance. And then when she went off, you could tell that she was going to rest at ease that night. See, that that youthful exuberance that comes from, from knowing Christ on an innocent level to where you can hear the Word of God and it's good enough, There's no doubt, there's no second guessing, you don't have to question it. We don't let our logic come into play and say, well, if this is true, then and we we just accept it. That youthful acceptance of Christ. Take me back. Relight that fire in me. I hope that we regularly are tending our fires. All right, let's move on. Second Timothy three. Another very familiar passage as it deals with with Scripture. Verse 15 and 16, and "...that from a child thou hast known the holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, throughly furnished unto all good works." Now, that word throughly... There maybe thoroughly. Is it thoroughly in New Kings? I believe Thoroughly. Um, I like both. I like Thoroughly, but throughly is a little different. Now, do you remember Dr. Kendall? Okay. So you know. He was um, he's an older gentleman and I know I'm sorry with the sidebar conversation. It's rude, I apologize. Um, we went. Ooh, that was a lot, sorry. Um, so we went to Dr. Kendall's class, and he was an English guy. He was the guy that helped redo the Strong's Concordance. He did 250,000 words in it, and they said, This is great. When will we get the other half? He's like, Wait, what? And then he proceeded to to help redo the other half of the Strong's Concordance. He didn't write his name in it. You'll never find his name in there. He was one of the most humble men I ever met, but he was never, I don't know of anyone that outclassed his mind. And he would tell us, well, why is that word there? If they were the same word, they'd be spelled the same. If they're spelled differently, then they're different words. So the word throughly there doesn't just mean thorough, which is like a good mixture. Throughly is packed shelf to shelf the whole way. From the beginning till the end, that room is packed throughly. From the moment you got in the door to the other door, it is Thruly packed, it's not just mixed, it is stuffed. See, friends, you if you want to be complete and furnished for good works, you have to put the Word of God in there. you got to fill it to the rafters. Those boxes, the shipping containers out there that are going to go out with all of these these thousands of, of shoe boxes all around the world, that thing, we want it full how much? <laughs> Slam-packed. We've got to get 350 more on one of them, and the other one needs to be full so that we can send it out and know that it's going to as many places. Friends, that's in our lives. If we're not stuffing our lives with the, the Word of God, what are we putting in there? What else are we giving room to? Well, I really like this or that. You know what? I'm not saying that we have to be mo- monks and have the funny little haircut and wear the brown robes, but I am saying that if we are not in our, in God's Word daily... We are letting the wrong things in. I've been guilty of it. I've focused on worldly things. I've let hobbies become idols. I wouldn't say idols in the sense of bowing down, but I would say in taking up my mind when I shouldn't let it, you know what, there have been days where Sunday football was more important than it should have been. And I'm not a huge football guy, so I don't feel that. But you know what, there's times where anything out of balance needs to be cleansed. Anyways, we'll move on. Uh, So, number one, we need to get in the Word to rekindle the fire. Two is we need to allow the Holy Spirit to do its work. You see, in this verse we just read in 2 Timothy, look at verse 15. It says, And from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, again, you have been in the Word, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith. Now, some people do, you know, my wife has a different testimony than I do. My testimony involves, I was very young, and when I was saved, it was through the preaching of the Word of God and through a faithful teacher that explained it to me and walked me through the plan of salvation. When I trusted Christ, it was very much that way. But my wife's ex- experience, if I may say, excuse me, I didn't clear this with her, uh, her experience was she was presented with the Word of God, and she went home and started reading her Bible. Now, there was some other things going in that I won't really get into, but when the Holy Spirit started to work in her heart, work in her mind, work in her spirit, when the Holy Spirit started to, to do that, no one else was present. And she was able to come to Christ, but she could not do that without the, the Word of God being first engrafted or ingrained, planted, if you will, in there for the Holy Spirit to make the increase. I have never led anyone to the Lord without first telling them who He is. And we do that with the Word of God. So first, if you're if you don't have a fire, because you've never been saved, that's step one. You need to come to Christ. How do you expect to burn bright for God when you're not even you know, stoking the fire right? You're still thorns and thistles and rocks. Yeah, you might get a flash, you might get a spark, but it's gone. Secondly, if if you are already saved, then uh, as this passage says, the scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof and correction, and instruction in righteousness. Friends, we need all four of those. I need to be told what to do by God. I need to be corrected when I'm off base. I need to be reproved when I'm just obstinate and wrong. And I need to be instructed when I, am. it's like rehab. I need to learn how to use that arm again after my surgery. I need to learn how to do this. You know what? When I've walked away from God, I got to get into the rehab of God's word and let that that working of the Holy Spirit relight my my fire. You can't do it yourself. I can't by my force of my own will serve God more passionately. I can't through my very nature say I want to love God more than I ever did. I can only do that by experiencing him through his word on his terms. We're getting close on time. Let me finish with this. As I mentioned in chapter 23 of uh, 2 Kings, they spend the rest of the time of his reign pretty much getting rid of idols. I mean, they just cleaned house. It was a big endeavor. Uh, Verse 25 says this about Josiah. And like unto him, there was no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might according to the law of Moses. Neither after him arose there any like him. What a statement. No king before him, not Solomon, not David, not Saul, nobody before him and nobody after him turned to the Lord like he did. And it was all based upon this book that they found by random chance that contained the covenant, the promises, the the edicts of God. Friends, you can encounter that book today. Maybe I need to get another dose of it to rekindle my fire. See, I need to clean out the idols of my comfort, my entertainment, my work, my worldliness, my sports or pride, money, etc. You fill in the blank. What do you have set up in your life that needs to be cast down and you will only see it with the revealing light of God's Word? I don't know what it is today. I'm not accusing anyone of anything. I'm saying this. If, if the Word of God can, can go through the churches of Asia and see the problems in every single one of them, I think we need to be very careful before we assume that we are perfect and upright before God. If we have not searched God's word diligently, we need to be noble like the Bereans and to say, God, search me, find me, or find in me anything that's impure and allow me to, to give it over to you. Let me repent of my sin and return to you. I want to be like verse 25, Josiah, not the one that finds the word of the Lord and says, wow, what's this, but the one that's, that the very same God that wrote the book he found recorded this that no king before him or after him loved God and repented as sincerely as him friends we've got a lot to be thankful for i know that that's coming up and i didn't i almost went there with the message today but i didn't want to get to thanksgiving without a cleansing of house you know we've got family coming over it's a brand new house we're, we're thankful for that you know what we're going to do before they come over we're going to clean The house is four months old. We've scrubbed baseboards already. We're doing good. How many months has it been since you've taken a a light to the corners of your heart and said, God, expose in me anything that's not right? Lord, cleanse me of unwickedness. Lord, if if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Can't you be thankful for that? I know I can be.
1: I know that this is
0: not necessarily a pleasant sermon. Now, it's not sinners in the hands of an angry God either, but it is, for me, a necessary... I have to be told occasionally, don't be weary in well-doing, but to continue thereon in faith, to go back to my first love and to stay passionate about the things that matter to God. Friends, we can fill all the shoeboxes if we're not diligent in our love for God our study of His Word, He's going to have somewhat against us. I hope that's not so. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You for this evening. Thank You for allowing me the opportunity to open Your Word. Lord, I pray that we would all find Your Word in our lives. Lord, we wouldn't shut it up in a spare room and close it off for decades or uh, generations even, but Lord, that it would be a daily fixture in our lives, that those around us would see it and see it often, that our children, our grandchildren would know that we rely on you for guidance, for instruction, for reproof. Lord, I pray that you would help us to uh, be found noble, as the Bereans were, and that you would guide, bless the works of our hand and allow many to see your word through our works. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.